0: Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Under Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win.
1: Ball Pelican's game. spotting
0: for three. The place is going to
1: erupt.
0: Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible game the Game winner got it. Ball game And it's over, ball game! Touchdown Jawan Juan Stetson! 25 yards! JJ German for the win! He got it! JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs! And the sidekick. Shout off to my What's your name, man? I told you! It somebody. doesn't matter what your name is! You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff,
1: and you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. All right, good special
0: Sandos and the Sidekick edition of Signing Day. It is the day after. We've got a ton of stuff to cover. We're going to lead with last year's signing class. We're going to look at who's on the roster, who's not on the roster before Signing Day, and then who has been added to the roster. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, before we do that, I think this is proper for the occasion. Yes! Hey, Jay Sanders, Mike Gallagher with you going over uh, last, year, start over last okay. year's signing I class. think it's a good idea just because Randy Sanders talked about it
2: yesterday, and he didn't go as far as to compare the signing classes, but whenever you have a signing class that a coach discusses, even in the slightest during a press conference, and he talked for about 20 minutes yesterday at William B. Green Jr. Stadium right around 4 o'clock, we will have sound from him, but... He mentioned it, he talked about it, so he's very excited about it. I wanted to go back and take a look at exactly where some of these men that ETSU brought in last year fell in terms of production, in terms of being on the field. And there's certainly a number of noticeable names. Uh, Coach Sanders, as we mentioned, said he's very excited about them. Let's start with uh, Blake Austin, offensive lineman from Science Hill. DeAndre Davis, linebacker from uh, Howe High School. High school. Uh, Max Evans, defensive line. Jalen Frierson came in as a running back. He's kind of transitioned to more of a pass-catching role. Jacob Hensley, offensive lineman. And speaking of uh, pass-catching role and actually offensively doing a few different things, Noah West saw some time on the field last year. Uh, late on, I think I remember him for that 40-plus yard run. I think that was in the last home game against yes, Mercer. Sir. That ended up being the Bucs uh, one conference W last year, but uh, he got it down to like the one-yard line. Looked very athletic, looked very smooth in doing so. So in those first six, definitely a couple of names that stand out.
0: Well, the the first thing that jumps out is the two tight ends. We did see Jalen Frierson. We did see Noah West. Both those guys not only played, but either caught passes, ran the ball, whatever it was. The tight end position is going to be the deepest uh, and rich with talent of any squad or any set of group for ETSU positional group. It's it's definitely going to be tight ends. They've got five guys that can really play and a couple of guys got in a few games last year to get sort of their feet wet Uh, special teams Jay Frierson was on that as well so Frierson's a tight end Noah West tight end I think both those guys Blake Austin who's a local product. He's projected to be one of the starting tackles. Now, again, a lot can happen. We haven't gone through spring practice everything else. But, you know, he came in at a healthy 6'4", 290. He's been able to get bigger and stronger, believe that or not. DeAndre Davis, much added depth in the linebacking quarter. Max Evans is a guy that redshirted didn't see action last year, but obviously with all the losses defensive line could be a guy that could see time.
2: Steven Scott, linebacker, Rodney Wright Jr., defensive end, Giovanni Dyer, wide receiver, Isaiah Wilson, wide receiver, Tyler Keltner, of course, ETSU's kicker. There's a lot to unpack just in this group alone. Obviously, Scott saw some time at linebacker as the year went on. Isaiah Wilson, someone they were really excited about after his 11th hour flip. He kind of unexpectedly chose to be a Buccaneer, came in, and it was looking like he was starting to get on track before, unfortunately, suffering an injury. Though you would expect, Jay Sandoz, that he would be on the field, very extensively considering that ETSU in terms of wide receivers and we'll talk about that more a bit later on but that's one of the more recognizable names that's back at wide receiver
0: yeah and unfortunately he's going to be a sophomore because he played in five games uh, before his season got shut down Not with the, the hamstring injury so uh, you're going to have three more years of Will's, He I saw him the other day catching passes looks unbelievable, I mean he came in with good size, speed once he got a little more comfortable with the offense they put him out there, he's making one handed grabs I mean, he's making sure handed plays Certainly a guy you're going to be excited about. We saw Steven Scott and Rodney Wright both get a chance to play a little bit on the defensive side. Steven Scott more out of necessity because the linebacker core was just decimated with injuries. At some point in time, Rodney Wright was able to play a few games again, get his feet wet, still has four years left of eligibility, and Tyler Keltner was unbelievable in his first year. I think we would agree with that.
2: No question, and we've kind of harped on it extensively, but J.J. German, one of the better kickers, if not the best kicker in program history, and Tyler Keltner had a better first year than J.J. German had in his first year, so setting a very high standard. Tim Stasekall, tight end. Tavon Matthews, offensive lineman. Uh, Dwayne Ruff, a defensive backslash linebacker, uh, was what he was listed as coming in. Devontae Walker, Brett Strother, and then speaking of specialists, we just talked about Tyler Keltner. Garrett Taylor is someone that I imagine we're going to see a lot of in the punting game again this
0: year. Yeah, I I'm assuming he's got that on lock unless something weird happens. Uh, they didn't bring in any more punter kickers. I think they feel pretty good about Keltner uh, as the field goal kicker, Garrett Taylor as the punter. We'll see, hopefully, the improvement between sophomore, freshman and sophomore year. Uh, you know, you look at it, Devon uh, Matthews ended up starting. You're assuming he's going to be the starting left guard again. I don't have any reason why he would not. Dwayne Ruffs all the time, not just special teams, but at safety. And I'm assuming that's a spot they'll uh, keep him at a hard-hitting – safety, especially when you have to worry about the three-back offenses. There's three or four teams in the league. You know, you have to have an aggressive safety that's willing to come up and make a tackle. So, I think Dwayne Ruff's going to be able to see more time as he goes. Uh, so, a pretty good grouping right there. And then Tim school, I don't want to leave him out because, again, he's a talented tight end that um, Austin Herrick was raving about uh, one pregame to me about just the fact that he's been able to grow and show some signs. And so, again, that tight end is uh, core is going to be – uh, the deepest position are really going to be able to contribute, but right now we're still not even. Eh, we're maybe midway through the list and you're seeing how many guys are able to contribute from this this recruiting class. A
2: couple of tweeners, Devin Brantley, who's an interesting case. I know you want to discuss uh, Trey Middleton as well, linebacker slash defensive ends, both of them. Elijah Huzzy, defensive back, and then Travion Houston briefly was brought up yesterday by head coach Randy Sanders. Uh, when he's talking about all of the quarterbacks that ETSU now has, quarterback is something we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we can touch on it now, but really, I think when we were talking about before we went on air the case of devin Brantley, that's one of the more interesting ones in this past class and this current class.
0: yeah, he he was signed. he was really the, the the biggest recruit that they landed uh, when you look at. It. maybe him and Wilson, you look at it. maybe Wilson got a little bit of pub because of the the, the night before flip, right? He set to go to Jacksonville State. The night before signing day, has a change of heart, goes with ETSU. Three-star recruit, just like Devin Brantley. Brantley had 19 FBS offers Mm. of of different levels, and so um, I'm going to go over a list of all those a little later. But still, he had 19 offers. He signed, he's ready to go. Didn't get cleared through the NCAA clearinghouse. By the time he did, it was in September... Camp has already started. the season started. the semester started. Was it really in his best interest to start at that time a few weeks behind in school, clearly behind on the football field because he hasn't been there, and so the staff talked it over with him and said, "Hey, you can wait and enroll in January doesn 't start your clock you'd still have five years to play. You could play four, you know, and still get that red shirt and so what Brantley did was say, uh, talked over with his family, thought that was the best decision, so he 's enrolled he 's on campus. And they signed him at I believe two fifteen six two two fifteen uh around August or September when he was coming in because that was February when they signed him uh last August, I think he was about two thirty now he's about two sixty wow, and so he is certainly bought into the weight room and uh, getting some reps up there when he's not been playing, so he's definitely somebody to look for, I think coach Taylor. Uh, gave me he could be the guy that fills Nasir Player's shoes. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Trey Middleton was a guy that played and, and played well for a couple of games in some spot duty that he needed to step up. Elijah Huzzy saw a little bit of time in the defensive backfield. Expect him to get some cornerback. Be curious to see Houston how it all shakes out. Um, you know, will he still continue to be? Are they going to carry eight, nine, ten quarterbacks? Are they going to, at some point, look at athletes because Houston was listed as an athlete quarterback, but they had given a shot at quarterback. Will he be willing to go somewhere else if they need him to? And so we'll just have to see how that shakes out a little bit later.
2: Last seven from last year's signing class. Max Howell, offensive lineman Jake Heyer, defensive lineman. Logan Shipley, defensive lineman. Deshaun McKinney, wide receiver. Jamal Couch, wide receiver. Eric Campbell, defensive back. Tyler Rydell, the last signing of the day at 4.39 p.m. The mayor. From Tampa. I think the two big names in this group, Jamal Couch, who is back or at least is still here. I think there was maybe some question. I don't think I'm pulling back the curtain too much on the program saying, um, I think there was some question just from the basic understanding of how someone from Mississippi State comes in and expects. To be able to perform and expects to see the field. There was some question if he'd be back or not. He is back at six four two twenty seven. Obviously a physical specimen, someone that can change the game when he's engaged into the game. Um, not perhaps demoralized from passes not going his way or the playing time not shaking out in his favor. And then there's someone that we did see a quarterback last year, Rydell. It did take a little bit of time, but he was someone that was in the mix there in the last uh, few games of the season.
0: Yeah, I think the the two guys that clearly jumped out are the ones you touched on, Jamal Couch and. Then- Tyler Roddell, the mayor, and so we saw the mayor got his four games in and unfortunately had a touchdown called back against Western Carolina, who knows how again, uh, that could have changed things I thought Eric Campbell uh, special teams really came in late made some big plays, stood out stood out definitely uh, with just how much effort he had on special teams coming down, making plays sometimes it's tough to to see special teamers, to be honest. But when you start calling a name over and over again, you know, they, they kind of stick out. So I think Campbell's a guy that they could give a run uh, in the secondary. How will Couch will Couch fit in? Who, who knows? But I think the, the guy that most people aren't paying attention to and he might be the most important player of the last seven you mentioned is Jake Heyer because he's going to be the new long snapper. And so, all the punts, all the extra points, all the field goals, everything's going to come down to can he get the ball to the holder or the punter. So, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that changes because it'll be the youngest uh, snapper since Adam Mullins uh, kind of started it back in the day uh, when ETSU brought football back. So.
2: Let's move on from last year's signing day to the roster and the top performers or the ones that have shown the most, the ones expected to contribute the most this coming year at each position, and then we'll do kind of a holistic roundout after we've run through each of the recruits. Um, we're going to go through each and every one of them, so don't worry about that. That is coming up, and then at the end of the show, we'll kind of run down positionally what things look like, who can contribute right away. Coach Sanders thinks there are going to be a lot of these guys, uh, much like last year, that can come in, uh, at least get their three or four games. How many... We'll do more than that. That obviously remains to be seen because every kid coming into a collegiate athletic program is going to respond differently. But let's just start at the quarterback position again. Plenty more conversation on that coming up when we talk about Cade Larkins um, and the other quarterback that ETSU uh, brought in Brock Landis. But Tyler Idle, Chance Thrasher, Cade Weldon, Trey Mitchell, I think you'd agree that those are the big four. Weldon was – I guess unofficially slated as the starter before he suffered that shoulder injury. He is back chance. Thrasher um, had an adventure through last year, undoubtedly. And then Trey Mitchell is the one that played the most. Um, and certainly I think earned the respect of a lot of players on the team, whether it be um, those next to him on the field or uh, the coaches that saw him go out there and fight through some injuries, perhaps he shouldn't have. And then of course, Rydell, who we already talked about, um, those were the big four entering the sign period.
0: Yeah, and I think the the one that's going to be interesting to see is Chance Thrashers, for the simple reason, is he knows he's not going to play quarterback. And I think it's, they're pretty open about that. And Chance wants to be a part of the team, can get another year, and is willing to play a different position if need be. And so I think that's important because Chance is an outstanding athlete. And I think that may get lost in the shuffle. Uh, and so you're looking at three at that point in time, and, and how's it going to shake out between Mitchell, Rydell, Weldon, as far as the incumbents that are coming right. back and Weldon – Coming off the shoulder surgery, how's that going to go? Can Trey Mitchell take a step forward? How does Rydell's uh, maturity, right, from freshman to sophomore? And um, certainly he's bought into the weight room so far. I think his uh, weightlifting group's already won one of the team awards. So, um, you know, you can't do that if one guy isn't pulling their weight. So I do think that Rydell's buying into – So doing another year in the offense for for all those guys, for Coach Sanders, I think is going to be important.
2: What I think you would agree are the two strongest positions, certainly on the offensive side of the ball, maybe overall, if you look at how things have shaken out since the season ended. Running back, Quay Holmes, Jacob Saylor's, of course, two-headed monster. We know what they can do. And at tight end, you already talked about it a little bit, Nate Adkins is the leading receiver back on the team. And then I just have Noah West jotted down as that number two.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see because, again, I think there are guys that are clearly – going to see the field, and I think you look at um, Jalen Frierson already saw the field. He actually saw more snaps than Noah West did as far as receiving, but Noah West, again, is talented. He's a former quarterback. You could tell when he ran the ball he knew exactly what to do with it. They're going to get him on the field more. They're certainly going to get Tim Stasek on the field. And Zip Petty's a guy they really like who's going to be a redshirt sophomore uh, next year. So I think all five of those guys are going to see quality playing time. And that still leaves the fact that Dawson Pearson saw a lot of time as a former offensive lineman as a blocking tight end. So I, I think the one thing with him out there, you know, they're probably not going to throw the football. Coach is tinkering with going a lot of two tights because they have so many quality tight ends, and it can keep teams in a base package. And I think that's very important to know. And then of course, DeJuan Martin is the the fullback. He's going to be back. There's not another fullback really listed. Touchdowns gonna, for days. He, he's going to catch his one-yard touchdown passes. Absolutely. Every time.
2: Uh, Wide receiver, and this is an area that I think just has so much potential with Keith Coffey, Will Hussey, Isaiah Wilson, and Jamal Couch. Unfortunately, potential does not always translate. I don't think it has yet for this group, but there are a lot of promising prospects, and we know in practice from seeing it and from the word around the team and from different eyewitness accounts what each of these guys can do if even two or three of them can rise to their potential. It could be a dangerous group.
0: I, well, you, you look at starts with Wilson. I think he's the, the the chip. I mean, it should be Couch, but we're going to go Wilson. Wilson's clearly the number one guy. I think coming in, then you're looking at okay, is Keith Coffee a senior year ready as a fifth year senior to to step up and be a, a solid contributor? Will Huzzy came on as of late, right? But he got taken out of the game when they started to double team him. So we'll you know he's probably the third guy Couch for after that. Um, you know then then you have. Some guys that were on the roster Riley Bryant, who's a very talented slot-type receiver. You know, is he going to be able to to get a chance to contribute? A guy who's been on the roster for a few years, Julian Lane Price, he's got a little bit of speed to him. You know, is he ready to step up? Then last year, a couple of guys that red-shirted, Giovanni Dyer, Zales Alexander, Deshaun McKinney, all those guys were scout teamers. You know, are they ready to step up? Riley Bryant's the one that nobody really talked about. That's got a little bit of buzz around him, very short stature as far as that. I think he's just five foot nine, which means he's probably not. He's probably a little shorter than that, but 165 pounds from Powell, Tennessee. But they talk about how he's the typical slot receiver, uh, Welker, Edelman-type guy that can make plays sort of uh, inside the hash. Um, And just get lost Again sort of a short guy And runs good routes Good hands So be curious to see If he maybe can get in the mix As ETSU did You know last couple years Have gotten a a little taller With their wide receivers Can they utilize a guy like Bryant uh, On the inside
2: Rounding out the offense, this was an area that perhaps wasn't thought of as a major need at the end of the season, or maybe even, and we'll hear from Coach Sanders on this, uh, around game number seven or eight of the year, and then it became clear the plans of a couple of offensive linemen I'll allow you to discuss, but uh, top back, I just have Tremont Shorts, Tavon Matthews, and it seems like you've already penciled in Fred Norman Jr. as the next Walter Jones.
0: (laughs) Well, I'd say this, I, I saw him... Uh, lead the team in a breakdown the other day as a redshirt freshman, and that's something you don't see a lot. And um, Austin Herrick, who we always not just reference a lot, but comes on the show and talks quite a bit, he's already told me he felt like he's the heart and soul of the team. Wow, that he's just so infectious that people go to. And the fact he's talent, I mean, he is genuinely talent. And the fact that people um, had questions about his grades. As we've documented on the broadcast several times, the fact that he couldn't see had a lot to do with that. And his grades uh, shifted dramatically to the positive at the end of the semester when he got him glasses and contacts. I mean, like, Son, you Which I know for sit.
2: some people sounds ridiculous, but I had a similar problem in high school, and I figured it out a little bit earlier, thankfully. But uh, baseball player, I, I didn't have glasses, didn't think there, there was anything wrong with my eyes, went and got an eye test, and then senior year led the state in RBI. It's like, it happens where you just don't know, and you don't tell anybody, and it just flies under the radar. So I know that's well, normal, right? To some no, no, it's just exactly. normal. It's exactly,
0: I, yeah. I, yeah. So I think Fred Norman Jr. is already penciled in as, as one of the tackles. I think Blake Austin right now is going to be your other tackle to go with uh, Matthews and Shorts as the guards. Now, who's going to snap the football? That's the biggest question because of how many guys left or could have come back. Eddie Gajardo could have come back, decided. Uh, that he had graduated, played enough football, time to move on for him. He had fought some injuries. And in Cameron Parker, I think it came down to the five guys he hung out with the most. Ben Blackman graduated, gone. Miles Smith graduated, gone. Eddie Gahardo, roommate Richard Jr., not coming back. Um, And Mason McNutt had graduated. So the five guys he hung out with weren't going to be there. He's going to be a loner. And I don't think Cameron Parker liked that. And so... Um, he rode off into the sunset as well again, he graduated it's tough to 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 question a guy who wants to do that just like a couple of years ago. It was tough you know uh, Drake Powell, I know that was like man didn 't want to come back well i mean he graduated been here long enough he certainly put in enough time uh that he deserved if you want to move on with his life so you know is it going to be caseson setsacorn is he going to be is it Brian, uh castile there's a couple of guys uh jacob hensley's a guy you know who 's going to be the center? isn't one of the new guys that signed and we'll talk about later. But who's going to snap the football to me is going to be the biggest question mark because I think the starting line, the two guards and two tackles for right now for spring practice are set. I have no doubt about that who's going to snap the football could be the biggest issue.
2: And to be fair to Cameron Parker, a lot of these guys at this level and levels below, for them, sports are a social vice, right? Like, I know we talk about it like it's the pros and like it's big-time football and things like that. And, and in this area, it is big-time football. You put 8,000 people in William B. Green Jr. Stadium every single weekend for every home game. That is big-time. But, you know, when we're talking about um, these the team and the way that we do, I think it gets lost that for some of these kids – specifically the ones that know they're not going on to the next level, it's a hang out with your buddies and make some memories type thing. So uh, just to be fair to Cameron Parker. uh, Let's start on the defensive side. Defensive linemen, and I'm just going to – throw a grenade out there and hope it <laughs> lands right in front of you, Jay Sandoz. So you yeah. can take this question mm-hmm. because I do not know who's going to be up front for ETSU this year with the losses. of Nasir, year, mm-hmm. Jason Maduafakwa, Austin Rowan, uh, it was kind of a skeleton crew at some points at the end of last year because of injuries, the suspension for, uh, I believe it was Nasir the first half of that game um, after was it was in Nasir, or was a Jason. I can't remember. No, it was in the So the, for the first the half of the game, after, yep. that's right. Um, and so you had uh, some injuries up front as well. And, Piecing that together at the end of last year was even a task. Now, without any of those three back, your three starters, this is definitely an area of need.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only guys that are going to come back that are going to um, have seen action at the defensive line is going to be Cayman, Cody, Rodney Wright Jr., Trey Middleton, and a guy that played two years ago but uh, was injured and set out this year that that even almost I forgot about until I just read his name name is Javion Hurd. So Hurd is going to be back and healthy, so I'll, so he he will give you a little bit more depth. But right now you're probably looking at Cayman Cody's going to play the nose, and Rodney Wright's one defensive end again without newcomers coming in and taking over, and then Trey Middleton could be your other defensive end. And so that that you know or Jalen Porter who who really is an outside linebacker that they want to play an outside linebacker, but because short they brought him in on rush situations defensive end. Do they say okay? Is he better suited for that defensive end slot? But, again, of course, outside linebacker defensive end for Coach Taylor, it's a little bit interchangeable depending on which side of the formation you're on.
2: Well, and with all the depth that ETSU has at linebacker, it could be a good chance to move some of those uh, quote-unquote linebacker, tweener-type players to the defensive line because at the linebacker position, I think it's the strongest on the defensive side of the ball. Zach Yancey, Colton Lakes, Donovan Manuel, Blake Bockrith, who are your two, three, four, and 5 in terms of tackles behind Octavia
0: Smith last year? Yeah, and they, again, they've got some solid guys that are kind of waiting in the wind. I think, uh, again, Porter was able to see some action there. Steven Scott's a young guy that's going to be able to play. I think DeAndre Davis had a nice uh, uh, camp last year, <coughs> and so he's got to be able to, to step up. Plus, they went and signed a couple of guys that I, – I know Coach Taylor, again, he's a linebacker coach by trade, so he gets a little excited when he talks about the linebackers. But they brought in a transfer we'll talk about. They brought in a couple of guys that – coach told me he thought they could possibly play right away so he feels pretty good about the linebacking core it's one of the deep it's weird it's not a lot of experience but it's definitely got a lot of talent will it develop into the number one key group we'll have to wait and see
2: it appears to me in the defensive backfield while I think we imagine this being stronger than it appears now. Uh, Tyree Robinson, of course, is back All-American two years ago. Karan DeLintz also, um, who last year had 44 tackles, five pass breakups. Those, to me, are far and away the two biggest names in the defensive backfield in terms of production and with a few gone for ETSU, and really only one in particular that uh, would – you thought would have been on the roster. MJ. MJ Woods. Yeah. Um, you've got Robinson and Dillon to anchor that defensive backfield, but now a couple of holes.
0: Yeah, there are. And, and again, they brought in a, a transfer, we'll talk about it a little bit later, from App State, who they wanted at, at coming out of high school, and they wanted him to play safety. And he was a corner at App State, wasn't working out. He's going to be a safety at ETSU. So, you know, how does a, a year or two with App State, how does that sort of um, – Help him and his cause, and we'll talk about that and, and Mike Price a little bit later on. But I, there's a couple of guys that started to play, and I thought really looked good late in the year. That's Quinn Smith, who was the nickelback, a corner. Dylan Henderson finally got healthy at the end of the season. I think Eric Campbell's another guy that can step in, and then on the safety side, um, uh, and we talked about a little Dwayne Ruff. I think Ruff is a guy that, again, can come in and really hit people, and I think that's going to be very important. The biggest thing is now for Karan DeLentz, he's going to go over and play that boundary side corner, which means he's going to be locked up in more man-to-man situations on an island where Jeremy Lewis has lived for two or three years. DeLentz obviously, the speedster, right, the former indoor champion, so I think he's got top-end speed to run with everybody, but it's not always about top-end speed, so that could be, even though I feel real good about having Karan back, if he doesn't handle that that side of the field well, is there somebody else that they can move over there? Whether that's Smith, Henderson, somebody new that's on the roster. You know, I know they want Price to play safety. But if push comes to shove, would he move over there? I'm not sure. But I do feel still there's enough talent. I think Steve Brown, the secondary coach, is phenomenal at what he does and what he's been able to do with the secondary the last couple of years. So And what he was able to do to Artavia Smith, who was, again, playing the, every other position but safety for the last two years and then what he turned himself into. So I feel pretty good about the talent that's there, you know, how are they going to go? I think I left out Elijah Huzzy. That's another guy that's some time at corner last year as well. So still a lot of guys that are there. There's still depth. It's just who's going to be the starters.
2: So to summarize, and you tell me if I've left anybody out or if there's anyone that shouldn't be on this list, but the big losses from the roster last year uh, up front, Nasir player, Jace Maduafakwa, Austin Rowan. On the offensive line, Ben Blackman, Eddie Gajardo, Cam Parker. At wide receiver, Braxton Richberg and Anthony Spagnoletti. In the defensive backfield, MJ Woods, Jeremy Lewis, Artavia Smith. And then I just threw in Jared Folks in the linebacker position simply because At times during his brief time at ETSU, it seemed like he could be a next-level type player. Obviously, last year did not work out for him. There was a question mark as to, and we talked about it on the show before, you talked about it on the broadcast, could he get a seventh year because of some of the injury things that he was dealing with last year? Uh, He either chose not to or that was not an option. He is not back either. Those were the big losses I had jotted
0: down. Yeah, two special teamers, the only thing I would add. Uh, Dustin Nichols was your long snapper last year. Landon Kunak, the longtime kickoff man. Uh, is no longer on the squad. And although he can be frustrating at times, he certainly, uh, last couple of years, uh, was one of the best in the league as far as touchbacks. So, have to see how the Bucks regroup there. But that would be only two I would add to the guys uh, that you named.
2: All right, the 2020 class of ETSU Buccaneers on the gridiron. First,
1: Coach Sanders thoughts. Excited about the signing class. I've never been a part of a coaching staff. When you you go through signing date and you recruit you guys, that you're not happy and excited with what you have. A lot of times you don't truly know what you have till you look back two or three years down the road. We feel like we really addressed a lot of needs with this class. We've lost a lot of big guys out of our program in the last couple of years. Just counting up, I think we've lost 11 offensive linemen in the last two years, three starting defensive, interior defensive linemen last year. We had to recruit interior people. We had to recruit size, address some needs. That's it's interesting. One thing I have learned in two years here, going on three years, it's much harder to build depth and maintain it with 63 scholarships and it had been the first 28 years of my coaching career with 85 scholarships so we had some needs we had to fill pretty quick we think we addressed those things good athletes good kids good students excited we were able to find eight in-state guys there's a couple other in-state guys we would have loved to have gotten but Thought they had brighter pastures somewhere else. So, but we're we're excited about this class.
2: In terms of those needs, I asked Coach Sanders if he thought that they changed from the end of the season
1: up to signing day. Sometimes that can happen. You know, if you have kids uh, wanting to depart, transfer, go find greener pastures, or decide they don't want to play anymore. I didn't think offensive line would be quite as big a need in October. But when we finished and Eddie Giardo and Cam Parker both decided they were going to go ahead and pursue grad school a little more aggressively and not come back and play their last year, that obviously created a huge need for us there.
2: There you have it. Initial thoughts from Coach Sanders. Should we get into it?
0: Yeah, I think we should just jump right in.
2: Go ahead. You want to lead off or should I? No,
0: I, I think that the two – I thought it was a good follow-up question because the offensive line was definitely a situation where we were talking about on air even up until senior day until we realized that two of the redshirt juniors – where he talked about Eguardo and Cam Parker were not coming back, and every year, in even September, October, what you think your needs are always changes somewhat, for whatever reason, whether it's injury, whether it's graduation, whether it's somebody needs to leave, whether somebody didn't do something academically, which, to my knowledge, none of that happened this year. We didn't lose. We didn't have an academic casualty. So, um, and that can happen, at at every level, at every sport. So. We lost more on the network, I think, uh, academic casualty <laughs> than we did athletically. So, um, I, I think the the need was clear that it was offense and defensive line. I think if he had his druthers, he would rather get, you know, I don't know, three, four, five offensive linemen, maybe four offensive linemen every single year and keep sort of a, a balance, you know, and then same thing, probably get five, six, seven, eight defensive linemen. I think he also um, talked about how hard those interior – I mean, they're trying to get those at every level. So it's hard not just to identify, but it's hard to get those guys to come uh, to you. Now, the depth and the amount of people they've got, depending on how they work red shirts, depending on how they play guys, depending on who's ready to play right away, who's not, the thing that jumped out was the size that they clearly were able to address, not just weight but height. There's a lot of 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". Guys on this offensive line, or guys are penciled in at offensive line, which is a little different than, you know, the six twos that I think we were we were getting beforehand. I mean, Mason McNutt was listed at six four. I guess Blackman was six three. was. but a wasn't. center
2: uh, built a bit differently usually. Center, right?
0: And, and you know, and Gahardo and Parker were both uh, touted as the tallest guys at the time when they came in. So they lost a lot of that, and so they were able to replace that. And so it's just a way different looking um, line. And I think looking at some of the things, when we'll get into the individuals, I, I, there's a lot of accolades on a lot of these guys. Now, how quickly does that translate on the field? We'll see.
2: Let's start with the December <coughs> signee on the offensive line. There is only one, Nolan six 6'6". 240. I think what they like about him is his frame has some ability to be rounded out over time. Obviously, at 240, you're not going to throw him right in and have him be on a collegiate offensive line at the FCS level. But Tennessee high, Bristol, Tennessee, his hometown, first team all-state as a senior, was a football and basketball player as he's now focusing more on football. I'd imagine that their goal for him is to get him to... Eddie Gajardo and Cam Parker size, both of them six six, and were right around 300 pounds.
0: I've talked to coach uh, Al Johnson, the strength coach, a lot about how can you tell during the recruiting process if you're going to be able to put weight on them. And he was like, well, that's actually very easy. And, and he gave me, and I wish I could remember all the four criteria, but the two things I kind of laughed at, he's like, I look at their shoulders and their butt. And he said, mm. you know, the hips, the butt, can they handle weight there? You know, so it, it's going in the right spots, distributed the right way. The back, you know, can, will it fill out, how broad are their shoulders, you know, because you have to worry about weight distribution. Some some things I didn't think about, I'm just like, okay, weigh well, six, 6'6", six, clearly gain weight. Right. You know, that's not necessarily, so there's a little bit of a, a formula, a little bit of a science, and it goes, and of course, all kids are different, right? You can bring a guy in and feed him and make him work out, and they stay the same weight, and you can... You know, think, okay, we're going to put 20 pounds on this guy and he he puts 40 or vice versa. You know, they want to put 40 and they only get 25 on him. But uh, I think clearly with the 6'6 frame and hand-eye coordination, some other things that they're looking to see, hey, you know, and probably sold with Sean, hey, you're probably not going to play this year. You know, you may not play next year. But if you work really hard, you got a shot to play the three years. And I think that's the situation where Randy Sanders has proven – he doesn't really care who you are. If you can play and help win the game, he's going to figure out a way to put you on the field.
2: Recorded over 1,000 career points in basketball, second-leading rebounder in Tennessee high history. Clearly the athletic side is there, and he's also got some athleticism in his blood. His brother Nick plays baseball for a king uh, in Bristol. Let's move on to the February signings in terms of the offensive line. Steven Flores, 6'5", 295 from Manassas, Virginia. Colgan High School perhaps a bit more ready to contribute right away. Zero allowed sacks. In 2019, and his father, Miguel, played five seasons in the NFL for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and
0: I was going to say, he's sometimes the lineage, right? He, you can tell he's definitely uh, maybe got that in him. So he's 6'5, 295. Maybe his dad's, let's say, a three. During his playing day, it was maybe 320 or something. You know, people look at that. You know, I remember um, growing up here in from North Carolina, Mickey Marvin, who won a couple of Super Bowls with the Raiders, and his son ended up going to play with Florida, but at the time wasn't a big offensive lineman. And I remember the people talking to me like, well, look at his dad. Like he's built like his dad. He's going to be able to get there. He eventually was able to get there. And I think Stephen Flores is uh, a typical uh, guy that's going to get that. Plus, I'm sure there's worse things than having your former NFL dad probably give you some pointers on the way to get you where you were. So I'm sure, uh, guessing he's got great makeup. He's got, you know, he's not that far away Manassas, Virginia. I'll be curious to see what Stephen Flores can do, but 6'5", 295, pretty stout coming in.
2: You talk about a good makeup. Joshua Kimmons appears to have that as well, 6'3", 280, offensive lineman from Kennesaw, Georgia, North Cobb High School was voted a quote positive athlete of Georgia so I'm guessing that has to do something with character <laughs> at least a little bit. Uh, only surrendered two sacks in two seasons with North Cobb and he's got some um, athleticism in his blood as well There's, he's the youngest of three <coughs> boys and his great grandfather played professional baseball uh, lettered in football named First Team All-Region, First Team All-County um, so some more size at 280 pounds. It's very interesting the mix between athlete and and maybe ready to come in and compete right away. That Coach Sanders targeted.
0: What's his twin brother doing? I mean, see, I wonder if he's also 6'3", 2'8". three two eight. He's got a twin. I'm just curious what that guy.
2: You're saying doing. get out there and recruit them both. Okay. I, I, I don't I mean go bookends. Only so I many mean, scholarships. for right, Coach Sanders.
0: Uh, I think it's also interesting. He plays in a tough league in the, you know North Atlanta, if you will, playing for North Cobb and just surrendered two sacks in two seasons. I mean, I think that certainly stands out that he's going to be able to. Um, do that. I also like lineage with the family. You know, I, I don't know why. I just feel like you come Same. from athletic background and play with athletes. They brought up sort of in that mentality. Something you and me did not like have, about, which is why
2: we weren't great athletes.
0: Yeah, well, amongst others.
2: Uh, positive athlete of Georgia, by the way, yes. Tied to high character uh, athletes in Georgia. Positivity young athletes being spread. So uh, clearly Joshua Kevin's another high character guy and uh, a few other, other pro- traits uh, as well.
0: I did get a note he was pro- projected right now to be a guard.
2: Trey Richburg, offensive lineman from Matthews, North Carolina, Butler High School, 6'3", 270 pounds, three-time all-conference. And once again, we see that, and I don't know if Coach Sanders maybe targeted this with the rest of his staff or it's just uh, something good to track as a high school offensive lineman, something that they all put on their bios, whatever the case may be. But again, no sacks allowed this past year, and when you have some – uh, some options at the quarterback position, I guess I'll say, when you have a number that are fighting for that spot, a, a lot of the thought and the old prevailing um, comparison is if you have, you know, two quarterbacks, you don't have one, right? Well, you got eight quarterbacks on the roster for ETSU. You're still looking to find that one, which means you have to protect the quarterback, and you have to give him as much time as possible and be able to help him up front, which is why it's good to see so many of these offensive linemen that are good in pass protection.
0: Two-star and a lot of looks, uh, App State, Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion, Western Kentucky, and Illinois. Uh, wow. And there were some offers there. Now, what those offers are, sometimes those are scholarships, sometimes those are preferred walk-ons, whatever they may be, but he did have uh, five, those five schools looking at him. They did show interest. A couple did offer that situation. So, again to me, shows uh, the fact of what type of talent he is. And again, at 6'3", 270, looking to be a guard.
2: Jackson Riley, 6'1", 285, from Murfreesboro, Oakland High School, four-time regional champion in wrestling at Oakland High School. He led Oakland to the 2018 6A state title. 2019 All-State, as well as being named the Region Offensive Lineman of the Year, so he's got some accolades both on the mat and on the field. What strikes me about that is if you have that kind of combo athlete, probably very gritty, hard-nosed, and not afraid to mix it up down low.
0: Well, and he's projected to be a center. It was a preferred walk-on at Middle Tennessee where his, I believe his dad Matt played at Middle Tennessee. His uncle Spencer Riley uh, played at the University of Tennessee, so we have talked about lineage, but what I like about a center and alignment is the fact of wrestling. Understanding leverage, footwork, hand techniques, all that other stuff I, to me that's always been a positive when you can get a wrestler at one of your offensive and defensive line. They just seem to understand uh, you know, how to utilize leverage and how important that is especially when you're talking about a ground attack and a ground game which ETSU obviously is going to be ground heavy but this could be a, a guy that may get a shot at center early.
2: Last offensive lineman of the sixth that ETSU brought on board. Braxton Ship, 6'4, 285 pounds from Concord, North Carolina, Northwest Caribbean. High school, two-time conference champion and two-time all-conference. Also uh, participated in track and field and recorded the most pancake blocks in the conference twice. Was mm. awarded best offensive lineman in the conference. Finished with 21 pancakes as a senior. Firstly, I'm very impressed that this conference keeps up with pancake blocks. That's to me
0: uh, a great sign of the. Well, conference, I'm just being glad solid. you threw out blocks. I was I was kind of concerned he could only finish off 21 pancakes. I'm like <laughs> I could do that. No, I'm just. Kid- but no, I, you're right. And and what important about that is you're talking about that's blowing. Out a hole for somebody. Right. I mean, you're you're totally knocking a guy down, knocking them off their feet, and then getting to the next level. I think that is tremendous uh, stat that people keep up with, obviously in the college and the pro ranks. But to do that in high school, where he probably should be double digit at least, uh, if he's going to be a highly recruited guy. At a six foot four, you get a little t- taller height sometimes people look at that as automatically a tackle. I'll be curious to see uh, where Braxton's ship is, uh, would be in that scenario, but uh, I like the fact he's blowing out holes for running backs. I think
2: every one of these young men, tremendously important, and even more so because, as Coach Sanders talked about, there's not a
1: lot of experience back up front on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. We're going to be really young. You know, you look at our offensive line right now, we've got one junior, two sophomores. Everybody else is freshmen in the offensive line. Defensive line, we we've lost a lot of people, so we're going to be a lot of freshmen, uh, redshirt freshmen, and a few sophomores. So those guys have to grow up, and they got to do a great job in the weight room this off season. They got to take advantage of summer, and that, that's the reason summer is so critical. Taking advantage of those time, because if you just go home and sit on your butt and drink lemonade, and come back, probably going to get blocked or not going to block very well when you come back in August. So. We've got to take advantage of that. That's a big concern, especially with the people we have to play.
0: What's it got against Lemonade? I do like my Lemonade. I do, too. had
1: some yesterday. Chick-fil-A sponsored. they had some Lemonade. That Lemonade was phenomenal.
0: Okay. That's that's making sure me and you were pro-Lemonade.
2: Let's look at the defensive line now and go back to the December signees. And Devin Brantley, someone you already discussed, three-star recruit from Rivals, and he had all of those offers that we talked about and is finally – after a long last, going to be able to make his debut on the roster officially and someone that you think can contribute right away.
0: I mean, he had some offers that was – I mean, you're talking about Ivy League schools were on him. Uh, Columbia was a school that was on him. There were some, obviously, FCS teams, Charlton Southern, Chattanooga, some others. But then you go into Colorado State, East Carolina, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Illinois, Iowa State, Louisville, UMass, Middle Tennessee. And so you start – Rolling around, I think South Florida game will look UAB, UNLV, Stanford, Temple. So, a lot of people thought he was talented, and a lot of people thought he could play different things. And he ultimately chose ETSU. And then there's that scary moment where he's not going to be cleared. Then he gets cleared. Then it's late in the year, and you're just saying, "Okay, can you wait to January?" And then you have to hold your breath and say, "Is he really going to wait to January?" And he did. And I'm very excited because I feel like he's got a chance. Um, with all the accolades going on, being able to work out, proving that without a strength coach and a coaching staff yelling at him to get in the weight room and get your work done, he was getting his work done. And so he's certainly taking care of his body, he's taking care of the physicality part of it. Now how can he come in, can he learn, will he be able to go? But I'm expecting, as I think the staff is, big things out of Brantley – and hopefully we'll be able to start him day one.
2: Brantley joined in the early <coughs> signing class by Colton Webb, defensive end, six four two fifty five, was an absolute game wrecker at Powell High School, 165 tackles, 51 for a loss, 59 QB hurries, 16 sacks, 6 forced fumbles in just two years, defensive lineman, Of the year in 2019, all region three consecutive seasons, a pedigree and someone that if you pay attention to high school football around the area, you will recognize.
0: I'd say the footwork is what's impressive when you watch his film. I mean, he is able to really get off the line quick, he's able to move his feet, he's able to either run past uh, a block or he's able to spin. He's always around the football. I think that's the big thing. You're talking about that many tackles, tackles for a loss, the hurries, the sacks, the forced fumbles, all that stuff. That all comes down to being around the football, and Colton Webb has a knack for being around the football.
2: We talk about pedigrees. I'm not sure they come much bigger than this. Octavius Bowie, 6'3", 285 pounds, Pahokee, Florida, Pahokee High School. And I just love the names that I see on his bio. His aunt, Raquana Williams, played eight seasons for the Los Angeles Sparks of the WNBA and two cousins that played professional football including someone that could be a Hall of Famer at some point, Anquan Bolden, who played for 14 seasons in the league, and Alfonso Smith, who played for four years.
0: Yeah, Super Bowl winner, right, Anquan Bolden? Wasn't he with the uh, Ravens when they won that? I believe so, and he came
2: very, very close with the Cardinals before that when Mm. you had, who was it, corner of the end zone? Antonio Holmes, Rafflesberger, to Holmes, and that was that Cardinals team that had Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, and Kurt Warner. Well,
0: T.J. held, uh, he goes by T.J., uh, Octavius uh, Bowie, but he holds three FBS offers, Colorado State, FIU, and Troy. So there are a lot of people sort of knocking on the door. We love lineage. You mentioned all that. That makes me excited about type player. But a defensive lineman, 6'3", 285, again, that's already bigger uh, than the seer player. Think about that, player leaving uh, at like 265. And of course, player came in at like 215. So Bowie already defensive lineman six three two eighty five. They need a couple of guys to step up and be able to play right away. To me, Bowie might be number one on that list.
2: Jalen Jones, defensive lineman six four two sixty, and Bowie and Jones in the February class. By the way, six four two sixty from Valdosta, Georgia. <laughs> His cousin Telvin plays football at Florida state. So a bit of a connection there with coach Sanders. And I'm not sure what your Telvin is or anything like that, but you see Florida state and I instantly associated uh, with coach Sanders. He led Lowndes high school to a regional championship in 2019, 41 tackles, eight tackles for a loss in his senior year.
0: Well, the biggest, uh, school on his recruit was Boston college. And then, uh, Liberty, South Alabama, Troy amongst others. So he had FBS offers a three-star, one of the better gets of the class. I think, I mean, um, when you take a look at some of those. And so there's – between Bowie and Jones and Brantley, a couple of those guys are going to, have to play right away, if not more. But a couple of those guys are going to have to be able to play, to rotate in, and got to be able to go. Valdosta's not that far from Leon County where Florida State is actually located. I'm sure Coach Sanders still has lots of people. That is a hotbed of high school prospects right around that area. So I'm sure Coach Sanders did his due diligence – he was a guy. They were holding their breath. Just you know, he committed. Okay, let let's give it a couple of days to make sure. You know he's going to sign on the dotted line, and he did, thankfully, for ETSU. You
2: talk about the size that we've discussed so far, and Devin Brantley you talked about put on 45 pounds since he came in at 215, and Colton Webb's 255, and uh, you look down the line, and you've got Octavius Bowie, TJ at 285, a little bit bigger uh, than Jalen Jones at 260, but no one quite holds a candle to someone that is 315, Jaden Miles, defensive lineman from right here in Johnson City, Science Hill, and we both know this well. When you play the type of defense that Coach Sanders and his staff like to, you need a space eater in the middle, and Jaden Miles is the will eat the most space in this class.
0: Big Ted Washington, I feel like, just Big Ted's going to come in there. Uh, who is the big Gilbert from Green? Gilbert Banks? Brown. Gilbert Brown. That was a big man. He was right about four hundred. <laughs> oh, you cut. They move said he was like three
2: seventy. There was no way he was under four hundred. Yeah,
0: he was four bells easy. So now, I, and I think you know, you're talking about exactly clogging up the middle. Especially against the three back nose guard, it can hold his ground. I feel like that's the exact thing they envisioned when they signed Miles. They're thinking, okay, put him at nose guard, son, make three people move you. If not, you just stand right there, let the linebackers go to work. That's exactly what three, four defense is based on. That's what Billy Taylor's based everything off on. You hold them up, let the linebackers go make the play, and I feel like that could be a great spot for Miles.
2: So 10 of the 23 that ETSU brings in, linemen. Six on the offensive side, four on the defensive side. One area I was surprised that the Bucks didn't address more was the pass-catching area, <laughs> whether it came to wide receivers or tight ends. Just one brought in in both of those positions combined. Here is the rationale from Coach Sanders yesterday.
1: feel pretty good about some of our, some of our guys we have returning really good about a number of those young tight ends feel really good about a number of our running back situation right now you know it's nice if you can put four or five receivers out there but it's also pretty nice if you've got two tight ends you mix with two receivers and create the same type of sets and then the defense doesn't know if you're gonna be lining up in a power set or if you're gonna be lining up in a spread set and I think we got uh, some tight ends that can be pretty versatile and do a number of different things that way
2: does that strike you as he's going to rely more on oh, I, tight ends absolutely just, so you're not going to have the tremendous amount of wide receivers on the field at one time if at least most keep of the time
0: base personnel out there and you can send in if you if the quarterback and he has he's openly said his quarterbacks can make checks on every play he has sent in multiple plays to quarterbacks a pass and a run make the check at the line if you can get a quarterback that truly understands everything and can make that proper check of okay they've got enough in the box we need to throw throw it. They don't have enough in the box. We're going to run it and the defense is just guessing because you're coming out in the same two tight ends similar set one way or another to me that's tremendous and then the play action game off that I I think all of that and if tight end which everyone seems to be in agreement on the coaching staff, the players we talk to, uh, our inside man Austin Herrick, everything else and just your eye test for me, the tight ends are very talented. They can block, they can catch. It got a little nasty to them. If you can keep the defense truly not knowing, instead of going four or five wides where you're like, okay, might throw it, you can run it occasionally, but probably going to throw more out of that set. You can have a couple of guys that can really set up the run. Then you can throw pass because you can get those inside yard plays uh, with the passing game while the tight end is good as a little mini slot receiver. So and some of those tight ends run well and you gotta get a linebacker on, them, as opposed to a nickelback trying to catch up with another wide receiver. So I like where his head's at. Hey, I like running. Not quite Don Hillman, let's, you know, <laughs> power eye and do nothing else every single play, but I like running the football, play action, build off what Quay Holmes was able to do towards the end of the year, what Jacob Sailors can do on the edge for you. So pretty excited about what that is. And I'm in agreement. I mean Obviously, I think – I'm not the recruiting coordinator. I probably would have brought in a few more pass catchers. But the needs of everything, I mean, I think they addressed getting some depth at linebacker, which we haven't gone over yet. They clearly had to address the offensive line. The defensive line was maybe the biggest question mark of any position out there minus quarterback but they've got like 27 guys are eight quarterback so
2: so the pass catching group looks good
0: according to you and yeah. Dan hellman clearly yeah. uh
2: the one pass catcher they brought in macho arza six-two, one eighty-five. he was a december signee booker t washington high school led his team to the fs fhsaa 4a state championship he was also the fhsaa scholar athlete of the year last year obviously can get it done in the classroom we know if he's the scholar athlete of the year Six-two, one eighty-five. uh coming in at that size already I think really solid for a young man and if you can put on maybe 20-25 more pounds um, and be a real bulky outside power receiver or maybe uh, he's going to stay at that size and just be that athlete but uh, he's the only pass catcher in this group and I thought it was a bit strange and then you look at the roster and you realize that there's 11 other wide receivers on it that just snuck up on me because you see Keith Coffey and Will Hussey and you're like okay those are the number two and three and- pass receivers that are back and, turn, and right young still Nate Adkins
0: right I mean I mean they're, they're fairly young I mean redshirt freshman and freshman still smatter that list and now I guess Wilson will be a sophomore and Hussey a redshirt sophomore but I mean they got guys with two three years left four years left still on the roster and the tight ends they've, Adkins is going to be a junior um, and the Pass catching tight ends are all going to be redshirt freshmen, so you got four of those. So was, Petty be a redshirt sophomore. I was
2: surprised until you look at the list and you're like, wow, they're already pretty loaded up at that position. What they're failing to find so far is the reliable every game. Um, and Coach Sanders talked about it last year, uh, before and after Will Huzzy made that insane catch in the end zone that was number one in the Sports Center top ten been a while since we've had somebody do something like that and so he's still looking for someone that can do that maybe not at a game in game out basis but put up a big afternoon, big evening, go over 100 yards, and then maybe the next game he isn't over 100, but he does make one of those incredible plays, um, goes outside, makes a catch that you need, uh, can get down the field. So I think they're still looking for that. But at least in terms of numbers, Macho Arza makes number 12 in terms of wide receiver, So that makes the competition level high and
0: plentiful. Well, and he's a three-star recruit and a couple of the academies, Air Force, Army, one of them probably shows you the work ethic that he's got there. The brains that he's got. Coastal Carolina was another one that was on him. He's the son of a coach, so knows how to practice, knows how to play, all that stuff. And somebody that Coach Sanders has known since the kid was little because his dad would go to the coaching camps and bring Macho with him. So he's known Macho for 12, 13 years, he said. So they feel very comfortable uh, to the Arza family sending them to Coach Sanders to play for him.
2: He talked about linebacker depth. Chandler Martin, one of the signees in December, adds to that. Six feet, 215, 108 tackles in 2019, 15 for a loss, and was All-State by the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association. 12 tackles or more in nine games during his senior year, while he also led the team in rushes and rushing touchdowns, so a bit of a two-way player.
0: He was also offered two Ivy League schools, so again, talk about some book smarts. Uh, Columbia and Dartmouth wanted them. Fordham, uh, South Alabama also in on the mix, a two-star recruit, and one of the two guys that Coach uh, Billy Taylor thinks can contribute of right away and can be a special player, quote Coach Taylor, Chandler Martin's one of those two.
2: Yeah, honor roll uh, at his high school as well, and uh, each of his four years at Arabia Mountain. So he's got a lot of uh, qualifications, a lot of <coughs> accolades, 5-5A, five, five first-team linebacker in 2018, and 2019 and was the nike opening atlanta region combine mvp with a score of 122.97 and it does seem like it's very interesting we run down all of these different players and it seems like one of the common attributes one of the common themes you do see guys that will get it done in the classroom guys that don't seem like they're going to create trouble away from the field maybe coach sanders instilling a bit of that culture that he's talked with us about before
0: yeah, I, I think it's very important to work at. I think he wanted to get some gym rats. I think that was his exact terminology. And I, I don't know, besides talking to coaches and, and other things, to, to figure that out. But I think you're starting to see some of that. And then to understand what Randy Sanders wants to do offense, it's it's a very complicated – this isn't a one-play-word-call Run pass option, Sanford type deal, right? You know, they're running the same six plays. They just run them out of different formations to try to fool you. You know, this is a very complicated checks and balance system on offense. Billy Taylor's always had to have guys that understand what he wants to do defensively with all his play calls and exotic blitzes and everything he's got. So you got to be able to have the brains to go with the brawn.
2: Daniel DeVille, a 6'2, 225 from Lebanon High School, lettered there, 2019 East versus West defensive. MVP, 108 tackles, 13 for a loss, one interception at the linebacker position. He is one of the February signees, along with someone we're going to talk about in just a moment <coughs> that's coming in as a transfer. We haven't talked about any transfers as of yet, but Daniel Davila, fresh out of high school, 6'2", 225, already a very stout young man.
0: Yes, and Coach spoke very highly of him and his ball skills. Uh, again, always around the ball, able to make tackles. He's always around the play. Um, he does have the interception, but for the most part, that's what jumped off the film and he felt like, again, his understanding of the game, and Coach loves to get film where it actually shows guys like having to pursue, having to show their lateral speed, so he's very big on that, especially, again, you play the three-back offenses, a lot of those games you've got to have the linebackers being able to go sideline to sideline, and that's what Daniel Davila can bring to the table.
2: Linebacker Javarius Harrison, and we're not going to hear this bite from Coach Sanders, but he talked about yesterday when it comes to transfers, you're bringing them in for a reason, and especially older transfers like Javarius Harrison, who played three years for the University of Buffalo after going to North Florida Christian, where he played linebacker and running back. Now, the stats weren't huge at Buffalo, 27 games, just 20 tackles, but clearly Coach Sanders and the staff think that he can come in at this level and make an impact right away, otherwise they wouldn't have recruited him, as Coach Sanders said yesterday.
0: Well, after Colton Lakes and Zach Yancey, I believe they both graduate this year coming up, you would only have... I think some sophomores as the oldest linebackers you would have, so you got to get a little older there. So he'll be a redshirt junior. He'll have two years to play, and uh, I think the size of speed plus I think coach had some ties uh, to him as well uh, because he's originally from Florida. So I think he trusts him as well. But you're bringing in a guy like that to contribute. You know, you're not bringing a transfer in to to sit and kind of just add depth. You want them. I mean, you do want some depth with that, and you need depth there. But you certainly want him to come in and contribute as well
2: those are your linebackers uh, where should we go next defensive backs I think yes, that's their DBs. DBs and George Otomegwu from the December signing period 6-1 190 Spring Hill Tennessee three time all region appeared all state twice was also a running back 2,000 yards 30 touchdowns 800 receiving yards 10 touchdowns so he on the offensive side of the ball was a real impact player going to play defensive back here at ETSU uh, playing to major in sports management fun fact
0: Uh, Three-star, Western Kentucky, Illinois State, Howard, amongst others that were on him. And uh, they believe that uh, Otomegwu can really come in and, uh, again, make some noise. But just the talent galore. I like the fact he played soccer. Again, his footwork, his foot speed. But the big thing is they saw him hit on tape. And and that's a, a common theme I heard from Coach Taylor because I think he is tired of trying to figure out which safeties want contact and which ones uh, are seek contact. And he needs safeties to seek contact. And so, Odomeg was going to be projected as a safety and a safety to come up and help on the run. From
2: Rock Hill, South Carolina, Tyleek Edwards, six one one seventy. Team MVP for his football team at Rock Hill. Also defensive player of the year in basketball. This man loves to play defense and another on roll kid on the AB on roll at Rock Hill High School.
0: Two-star, uh, Charleston Southern, Mercer really on Tyleek Edwards besides ETSU. And, again, this was about seeing a guy that only weighed 170 pounds that liked to go hit people. I mean, that that was most of the DBs. It was really about the safety position and guys that are going to be sure handed tacklers. And he felt like that this class gave him the most safety options and the most safeties that can make tackles.
2: Speaking of sure hands, Chris Hope, defensive back, 6 feet 180 from Madison, Alabama, James Clemens High School, 65 catches for 1,001 yards. First team All State and All State in 2019. 2017, second team All Huntsville and second team All Region, 36 catches for 537 yards. He's going to flip. To the defensive side of the ball, and so while well, you want someone that can surely do a few things, surely catch the ball, also seems like something that Coach Sanders is targeting.
0: And, and now this one, they they are looking to hope to be a cornerback. They do hope to uh, project him out at the cornerback, and because he was a receiver, he can catch, and that's something Steve Brown uh, likes as a philosophy. He likes to get wide receivers uh, that can play DB as well, but they played wide receivers, so they do know how to catch. So they get an opportunity to get an interception. He just didn't want a defensive guy that's just there for defense if you get an opportunity to make a play wants to make a play and i put it out there on twitter if you haven't seen chris hope's uh announcement it's it's pretty gut-riching he his mother passed away mm. um and so he was talking trying to get through it and talk about his mother and that he was signing with etsu and just very emotional broke down brought you to tears And then the 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 sports anchor asks him what would his mom say to him which is just a gut-wrenching oh, question boy. to begin with and he got to hear his answer and um and it was funny it was like hope something to the effect i hope she'd say that she loves me and she's proud of me Ugh. and his sportank came oh. right back and was like son there's no doubt that that's exactly you know wh- 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 which was a good save yeah. cuz i'm going what a tough question to ask like a 17 18 year old kid but it it, it was awesome to see so i, I already pulled him for chris hope in general just after watching that
2: Mike Price, final defensive back, and this is one I think that Coach Sanders and those around the region will be excited about. Stockbridge High School, but went to Appalachian State, redshirted his freshman year, did play 14 games last year, including the one against ETSU in which he did have a tackle, uh, 138 tackles in his high school career, five picks, four tackles for a loss, 58-yard interception return in 2016 for a touchdown but maybe you don't remember him from the Appalachian State game but the fact that he's willing to come down the mountain come to an FCS level school um, I'm not sure why he went from Appalachian State here except for the fact that he probably feels like he can challenge for a spot right away get some more playing time really bolster this secondary and it's someone that could be a great get for coach Sanders
0: it was a little positional App State wanted him to play corner he was not thriving at corner ETSU wants him to play safety they think he can thrive at safety And, again, they wanted him out of high school, ETSU did. Mm -hmm. But he took an FBS offer with App State, I would argue. But, obviously, the the door was open. And after uh, he's got three years left at ETSU, able to come in. But, again, what they liked about it, broken record, they saw him hit on tape. (laughs) They really thought, hey, this guy could play safety for us. That's what they wanted. Again, he went FBS. Didn't work out. Now he's back uh, uh, in Johnson City
2: couple of running backs that we should talk about and obviously as we've discussed uh really one of the more solid positions across the roster for etsu but uh trey foster five eleven, two oh five. Did I say a couple of running backs i think it's just the one running back right uh, trey two right him Is and Ar- uh, irby oh that's right yep yep, yep you're right trey foster uh, 5'11 205 knoxville tennessee austin east high school twice named offensive player of the year There, two-time all state, and this is someone that Coach Sanders talked a, l- a little bit about yesterday. And the running back group in general, I think what he likes about these young men is that they thrive off competition, and they know that Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors are here. They obviously are tremendously talented running backs that uh, Trey Foster is going to have to compete with. Uh, that being said, they weren't scared away.
0: No, it was hard. I think his exact quote was, "It's hard to get people to." come play running back when you're looking at Quay Holmes and you're looking at Jacob Sailors and one's a freshman All-America and the other one's getting all conference accolades and you know it's there now these guys can come in and, and compete and not afraid of competition if they can play right away coaches openly said he's going to play them if not they red shirt and then they sit one year and they've got three years so they're getting ahead of the curve for the next guys Foster was a former quarterback for Austin East the Roadrunners, so at least he knows how to run or at least I'm assuming that is Uh, And you look at his numbers are stout, but they project him out as a running back and and very special with the ball in his hands. And then the last kid, uh, Bryson Irby, could be the gym.
2: Yeah, no disrespect to him. Dismissed him on my sheet. Six feet, 195, Douglasville, Georgia, Alexander High School, Offensive Player of the Year there in the 2019 season, nearly 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns as a senior. One guy we haven't (laughs) talked about yet is Malik McGee, who maybe didn't play a lot of running back, but is someone that they mixed in in the backfield a decent amount in the what I call the buck-wild formation. Uh, you called the wild-buck formation. We'll argue about that some other time. But Irby and Foster, the two running backs, what Coach Sanders did say was it wasn't as hard this time around to recruit running backs because when you say Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors have two years left instead of three years left, then guys see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm guessing that was part of this conversation with Irby and Foster.
0: Yeah, and if you watch the huddle tape, uh, Bryson Irby, it looks very similar to Quay Holmes's high school tape. Both the guys can move very nicely in a phone booth. Uh, There's that little sidestep and then explosive speed to run by everybody and just enough power and good size. You know, I think Quay Holmes came in about 200, 205. Irby just a little slide at 195. But both guys, if you look at the tape, look eerily similar type runners.
2: One guy we skipped over from the offensive line just because he's not on the main sheet that, he, uh, that we were given, Garrett Jennings, 6'7", 305. And when you see size like that, uh, that just jumps off the page. Uh, Jennings someone that I believe is going to be a, a walk-on, if I heard correct. Uh, so Jennings not included on our original right, and, signing and, day sheet.
0: And folks that are local may remember, he played Elizabeth in High School. He right. originally uh, was going to play at Eastern Kentucky, went to campus, but never participated in football uh, for them. So he was able to transfer back and, and be able to play right away. He does not have to sit. And then Colby Smith, an interesting story, is a linebacker. <laughs> Excuse me. He Another was walk-on. he was uh, a walk on six one two thirty five freshman from Rock Hill, South Carolina. He was scheduled to be the first ever class to play at Erskine College, but because Erskine hasn't played yet, then he can actually transfer and play right away. So he and he's on campus now too. So there's a few guys that are on campus right now. Macho Arz is on campus. Mike Price, the transfers on campus. Javarius Harrison or just Jay Harrison is on campus. Chandler Martin. The linebackers on campus, Colby Smith, Garrett Jennings, and Devin Brantley, who is expected to be here in August, is on campus right now. So just a couple of walk-ons in Colby Smith
2: and Garrett Jennings before we get to the position that I'm sure everyone wants to talk about. On the top of everyone's mind, Randy Sanders' favorite position as well. He brings in two quarterbacks, and first we'll hear about why he brought in more and how he feels it can affect the team this season, not only on game day.
1: One of the things I talked about when I got the job is I wanted to create competition. Well, we we got some competition now. Uh, not only is it going to be competitive to get on the field, it's going to be competitive to get on the bus. Excited about the two guys we signed. Obviously, Trey Mitchell played a lot of football and did some good things last year. Uh, Tyler Rydell came in and provided a spark sometimes and did some good things. And still got Cade Weldon, who got hurt and hadn't had a chance to play yet. but. If he wasn't a good football player, we wouldn't have brought him here. So it, it's an chance to it's Travion Houston. We, it's going to be a competitive situation. Probably got more scholarships and quarterbacks that I want than I would like to have. But uh, I know if you don't have a quarterback that can pull the trigger and make plays, you got no chance to win a championship. We got to make sure we got a guy there that can make plays to win a championship.
2: Any general thoughts on the quarterback position after you see these two signings? We're going to talk more about one of them in particular because he's a local kid in just a second. But eight quarterbacks now on the roster. I don't think think he's done. Your general canvas here, you think
0: there's more coming in? I think there is. I I think he is going to be hell-bent on finding a true number one and two. And I think last year proved there was not a number one or two. And (laughs) some of that because of injury, some of that because just – youth, some of that everything else, and maybe guys on the already on the roster before these new guys come in can do it. But my guess is he is going to spend this year and give scholarship after scholarship and we'll be Sanford with like ten eleven quarterbacks or whatever they got and figure it out. That that's just my guess because there's still FBS guys that are already out still on the on the transfer portal that are out there. There's going to be spring practice quarterbacks who are going to be cut and told, hey, you're not really going to be under our plans. You may want to go ahead and transfer. Those guys are going to be out there. That's what happened with Cade Weldon. He was told at the end of spring practice, hey, it's probably not going to be for you. ETSU gets Cade Weldon. Now, again, everything, if Weldon's healthy and plays, who knows? Maybe everything's just kind of goes down the same trajectory. It should go down, but it didn't. So i I think he's going to spend this year to figure it out. And next year, they'll probably... Be guys to either have to make a decision: Do I want to play quarterback, or do I want to move positions? And so we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. But my th- my thinking is: there, there, he's he will not be done. I will be shocked if there's not at least one more, if not two more quarterbacks coming in.
2: A prolific quarterback coming in from the early signing period, Cade Larkins, David Crockett High School, ranked second all-time in career passing yards for the state of Tennessee, sixth in career passing touchdowns, top 25 in the nation, all-time in career passing yards, 11,042 of them with 105 touchdowns, also a very good baseball player, the Johnson City Press male athlete of the year as a junior. Recently, the WJHL News Channel 11 High School football player of the year. The list goes on and on and on of his accomplishments. Here's Coach Sanders on what he likes about Kate Larkin. I had
1: heard good things. His coach told me some good things. Honestly, the first time I went and watched him throw, I'm standing there with three other college coaches. I watched him throw about the third ball, and I'm thinking, this guy can really, really throw the football. I like him a lot. So I just sat there and acted pretty nonchalant and left early because I didn't need to see any more hoping that those guys would leave early too. I was just really impressed with his overall ability. I love his size. I love the way he throws the ball. I love the way he's wired. I I like his his mental makeup. Very competitive. I think he's very tough. He has a lot of the qualities that I've always tried to pursue in quarterbacks and quarterbacks I've had that have been successful. It's not always the talent that gets it done. A lot of times it's just, it's just the way your your mental makeup is. You're wired and how, how competitive you are. you got to have the ability to go with it, and he certainly has that. But uh, I, ju- I just thought he's a total package.
0: What about the gamesmanship? About five throws, that's enough. I'm going to go ahead and go home. Hopefully somebody will follow me. I'm Randy Sanders. they follow me. And then I'm wondering if he calls Kay later and say, Hey, buddy, I just want to let you know. Very <laughs> impressed. I did that to get everybody off you. So you could sign with me. I enjoy the power play of, uh-huh, I'm just interested. He's okay. He's all right. What, look, he, he, competitiveness is what he's always told me. Uh, just off air, when we've been on the road together, uh, riding to different events. When I'd ask about him, specifically he would say, I, I need guys that can compete. And that guy competes really hard, and that's what I want my quarterback to be. The never say die, the Bruce Willis of quarterbacks. That's what he needs.
2: You know, when he busts out the gamesmanship, he has to like a guy. You don't just oh, bust that out abso- for anybody.
0: No, 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 absolutely not. I enjoyed that. I, I thought that was a good bite. I think, I think that, uh, I think it's true. I think Coach Sanders has been around enough. He's told me other stories of recruiting other top athletes, and just saying, you know, I generally think I've done this enough. i been a good judge of talent. That, especially with certain positions. I can look right away and go, yes. Especially live. It's different on tape, I think. But I think when you go live, especially the quarterback, he knows how he wants the arm slot to be. He knows how he wants the ball to come out. knows how he wants the throws, where, you know, where the throws to be. Saw enough of that. Goes, yes. Well, let's go get him.
2: Other quarterback that ETSU brings in, Brock Landis. Of course, he's going to be overshadowed by Cade Larkins and uh, the local pedigree and everyone's familiarity with Don't sleep with him. on him. But 6'4". 205, Winder Barrow High School, and he played his collegiate ball before here at Blinn College as a freshman, 91 of 71, 1,462 yards, 14 touchdowns, also rushed for 131 yards and five scores. And his sophomore year, 166 of 307, 2,600 yards, 28 touchdowns, just six interceptions.
0: Second in the league, I believe, in yards and touchdowns. He was number one in pass efficiency in the league. Here's the crazy part he was an ETSU commit last year. He could have played three years at ETSU. He may have been the starter and just uh, sitting there for two more years because of how you can't predict how everything went, but obviously everything went a little awry for the quarterback position this year. Now he's going to come in with about 37 quarterbacks. He's going to figure it out. That's just how life works. He wanted he originally committed ETSU, openly admitted, I want to come back one more year and try to get an FBS offer. He did that, wanted a Power 5 offer, didn't get it. The one school that stayed with him, ETSU. So he's coming to ETSU. So I'll be curious to see. But he's done it a little bit higher level than I think any, you know, besides Cade Weldon who's played in some FBS snaps. And obviously Chance Thrasher got some FBS snaps. But other than that, uh, the newcomers, and depending on anybody else joins the roster, you got to think he's got some of the best numbers because he actually played for two years and threw for 4,000 yards and 42 touchdowns in two seasons. And again, limited number interceptions. He just had six last year with all those throws. So to me, you can't sleep on him because he was able to play against a little higher quality competition than some of the guys he's going up against.
2: He likes Buccaneers. Blinn the Buccaneers. ETS right. are the Buccaneers. So to round out the signing class, I think I got everybody. Did I miss anybody? Nope, got him. Got Garrett Jennings, the walk on. Colby Smith, the walk on of the quote unquote 23 man signing class. Six offensive linemen, five of those coming in February. Four defensive linemen, three of those coming in this February period. Four linebackers, two in February, four DBs, three in February. Two quarterbacks, one of them in February, that being uh, Brock Landis, who we just talked about. Two running backs, both of them coming in the winter signing period or the spring signing period, whichever you want to call it, the most recent signing period. And the one receiver, of course, Macho Arza, came in the early signing period. That's 23. You add the two walk-ons, make it 25. I count. 12 defensive linemen, 16 linebackers, 15 DBs on the roster, 8 quarterbacks, 6 running backs, 16 offensive linemen, 7 tight ends, 12 wide receivers. Not an official count, just a quick count.
0: Sounds good to me. You're doing the math there. I, don't know. I like, his, I like, the, I like the breakup. I like the the, the breakout of that Pretty sounds good number what of you need.
2: Group. Oh, whoops, well, sorry. Randy Sanders I mean, we can get
0: there. a number of the group if you want, Randy. I'm just trying to end the show. But
2: well, I'm trying to end the show,
0: too. But Special? Don't know how. I don't know how. Special? special what was I going to say?
2: special edition
0: special edition sandoz sidekick the recruiting special we hour a 15 we,
2: minute edition i uh, hope <laughs> twice as long as last year
0: if you really wanted a thorough breakdown more than just the yada yada of here's somebody's bio we hope he gave that for you and we went through last year's which was a nice edition i think i think so too Went through last year's, went through's not here, went through all the signees and the position groups. That's the most extensive coverage you're going to get anywhere of ETSU football period.
2: I believe so. We'll do it again tomorrow except for ETSU basketball.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk ETSU win over Chattanooga. And we're going to talk ETSU win over West Carolina. I'm calling it tonight. Love it. 7 o'clock. And then we will preview the weekend's basketball games, bold predictions, and more. All right. Sanderson's the sidekick. Special football signing day editions over on the Buccaneer.
1: that work. Cowboy up and go play ball.